He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Delray Beach, Florida, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And welcome to the Racing with Bruno podcast on this Valentine's Day week. This Sunday is Valentine's Day. Do not forget to get something for your loved one or else you're going to be in the doghouse and you're not going to be able to go to the track. Oh, wait, we still can't go to the track. But uh, we've got a great show for you today. Um, And we're going to start off with some breaking news from our own Edward R. Moreau. Ron Flatter. Moreau. (laughs) I like that. We've we've made him French. Hello, Bruno. Will you well, be? It's okay. Will you be my Valentine, or can I go to Joe? Can I Joe be my Valentine? Joe no. should be my Valentine. No, no. I love Joe. Joe's no. a dog, by the way. If you've you never little, listened, you got a little freaky thing going over there, you know, with Joe. No. I love your dog. I just love your dog. He's All a right. great boy, and he's in his kennel right now because he's been he's going through his terrible twos, you know. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, you know, he's he's pretty much getting himself into trouble has he gotten through the gnawing stage as he gets the teeth coming in it's not the gnawing stage what he does he's got he has a little scorn in him okay if i yeah if i don't do what he wants me to do then he takes it out on stuff well good he's not being a stuffed animal then when he was a puppy, he used to do his little business right by the door. If I went out to take trash, didn't take him with me. <laughs> right. Oh, he's a little smartass. He I like is it. a complete little smartass that he'll do something and then look at you like, look what I did. Don't do that again. Yeah. You know, it's how a much, constant battle between me and him. How We're much does he alpha, weigh? Uh, you know. How much does he weigh? About 60 pounds. Ooh, okay. He's not so little. No. No, but he's a wise ass. All right. Uh, he's, 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 he's a funny dog because he's just human. He's so human. It's fantastic. But speaking of human things and racing. Uh, all right. All right. I'm getting there. Ron, <laughs> Ron, what's going on this weekend? Well, what's not going on this weekend? And remember, it's a three-day weekend, not for Valentine's Day, but for President's Day, which is falling on the 15th, of course. And we were supposed to have a nice card at Oaklawn Park highlighted by the Southwest Stakes and the return of essential quality, but that's not going to happen now because of a snowstorm that's coming into Arkansas. That card and the entire weekend has been called off. So they're dodging winter storms in hot springs, and the Southwest Stakes has been pushed back to the 20th. As we sit and speak now, Brad Cox had not committed to keeping essential quality in next Saturday's Southwest Stakes. Let's not forget, he does not need points. He's not desperate for those. He already has 30 qualifying points. He might need a top-up somewhere between now and uh, another six or eight weeks from now, let's say. But Can I tell you what the best thing would be for that horse? What would that be? Run him in an allowance. Well, say, I was just going to say, because you could put him in a garden variety allowance at home at the fairgrounds, put him in an overnight stakes, and it'll be fine. You just need to get him a hit out, as we used to say yeah, exactly. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to. You don't need to. You know, if, if you're confident in what he does, you can give him an allowance race and go right into the fairgrounds, uh, uh, Louisiana Derby. Um, and if you need more time, uh, you could run. Uh, you didn't. You. You know. You obviously have the Rebel as well. Um, mm-hmm. That he could run in uh, later on. Which so he might they, be anyway. Which might have been anyway. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but. Um, Travel Column, who's been working with Essential Quality, mm-hmm. uh, makes her first start back after winning the Golden Rod over in the Rachel Alexander. I'm really looking forward to seeing her. She's been training fantastic with Essential Quality, and I think she's a really, really good filly. Can what she does in that race give you a tell on Essential Quality or even vice versa, or are we talking apples and oranges? Two different horses. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my pet peeves. I, I hate when, when, when I watch... You know, talking heads, talking about two horses being the same kind of horse just because they show the same kind of running lines. That is the most moronic thing I've ever heard from any handicapper say, because when you're when you you, it's like Ronnie, it's like saying you 
and Wolf Blitzer on CNN are sort of the same people. <laughs> His beard looks better than mine. I'll give him well, that, but that's, that's where it ends. Point. That's not yeah. the point. The point uh, is that's two different individuals. Mm-hmm. Right. Two different individuals with different set of mind, different set of beliefs. When it comes to horses, they're different animals. They're not the same animal because they all they ran the same kind of look and race on paper. They're not. It is the most idiotic thing to say, and it shows that they absolutely have no clue that these horses are fresh, flesh and blood, and they have separate identities. Um. So I it, it's, I heard another one the other day from the talking heads. They were talking about they were talking about why horses get bad. And the common denominator that they were discussing was, well, people don't know anything about Tampa and they're playing on a big day. They're gonna play the big trainers like Clement and stuff like that. That's why that first time starter is six to five. Never once did they mention, ever once mention the fact that the horse must be training really well and the connections that, you know, I, I touted them and there's tips around the horses from clockers, which is why horses get bet, not because some idiot is going to bet a bunch of money because Clement's running on a big day at Tampa. And I just found that to be people. There is so much misinformation when you watch television uh, and, and you're listening about handicapping that it pollutes the handicapper's brain. No wonder we have so many people that don't know what they're talking about. Hmm. Noise comes back to a lesson we learned not oh. so long ago on this podcast. Exactly. The noise will drown you. They'll drown you in your handicapping. It just keeps coming back to that theme, doesn't it? it, it it's, it's just amazing. I, I, I have to sit down on mute sometimes to hear the stupid things that come out of people's mouth. And they say it with such conviction. And you wonder why we can't pick up new players. Well, all the, the players that are listening to those people go, what that guy say? Hmm. Yeah. Last night at our Zoom, we had some great conversations. You know, dummy me then hit the record button, right? Or something happened. And um, we didn't. We don't get to share that with everybody today. So this but is like the very first ever, this is like the very first ever Johnny Carson Tonight Show is not there anymore because somebody didn't save it at NBC. And now something as storied as that very first ever Johnny Carson Tonight Show. Last night's Zoom meeting didn't get saved. Somewhere out there in the universe. Why don't you, why don't you tease us a little bit about what we talked about? <laughs> well, we're, well, we're going into that right now. We're, we're discussing some of these topics, and a lot of it was what happened last weekend, but we just discussed essential quality. And in this sense, it's better that we're talking about it now because we were Speaking of essential quality, thinking that he might be running on a day when it might have a little bit of snow, but not like they're talking about getting on Monday in Arkansas. So we've updated it from that standpoint. But also looking at some of the other horses that are being talked about so much. And Bruno, let me tee you up to hit one out of the park because you nailed this last week on the Zoom call and therefore on this podcast. And that was Bezos. And the fact that he came into his debut heavily bet in Derby Futures here in Las Vegas. Fairly heavily bet at 26 to 1 in the Kentucky Derby Future Wager, the paramutual at Churchill Downs that had never before in its 22-year history put up an unraised horse. So much hype was there on this Bob Baffert horse, and Bezos finished 7th, 7th in his debut last Sunday at Santa Anita. When we, you know, I looked at the tab and I looked at what our clockers notes were, and I noticed that we did not have a four-star work on the horse in the last, almost the last month. His last four-star works were on in this late December and early January, and then put out a string of very average works. And we had three-star works. It's not, they were bad. It was just not what you would call a superstar work. 
including there was one work where he kind of lugged in some. There was another work where he couldn't get really put, put away. Speed Pass was not a good horse. And I made the comments that, you know, you know, all the hype, he's hard to, to play that race. But I, I can't tell you I'm blown away. I can't tell you I can see what, what the, the, the entire um, hoopla is all about. And watching the race, his stride down the backside at Santa Anita was not the same stride you had down the stretch. His extension decreased as he went along. Now, as horses get tired, their stride does decrease. However, when does Baffert send horses that are get tired? And also his stride very much shortened, which two things can happen to cause that. One of them is the push from behind. If you have no push from behind, your stride shortens up front. Also, if you run out of air, you're short, you, you run out of oxygen in your blood, you shorten stride and you tire. I didn't like what I saw down the lane. Hmm. Something was bothering him, obviously. Uh, and you have to really spend a lot of time looking at horses. And, and when you do, you all of a sudden you start picking up things that you never thought you would. Um, I'll tell you, in the same race, Baffert had another horse that was mm -hmm. training really, really well. We liked him. He was a twirling candy. And his works were good. He shortened stride pretty good. He stopped at the quarter poke like he got shot. So my interpretation of this. And that was a horse I'm, name. That was the horse name Tivoli Twirl that yes, wound up exactly. finishing last. Yeah. With TSG, the Stronic Group, having a house rule of no clenbuterol allowed, period a ban of clenbuterol. I think trainers have to take their horses, if they have them on clenbuterol to train, to take them off clenbuterol earlier to get it all out of their system. So therefore, Bezos looks great in December, early January. Now he has to come off of clenbuterol. And coming off of clenbuterol, now you got a horse that is not as he's not a normal Baffert or he's not a normal horse that you've seen. You've seen a lot that in Gulfstream, another TSG track. Clement is two for 25 at mm. Gulfstream Park. Mm. He's 30% at Tampa. Tampa doesn't have a house rule to ban Clembuterol. And what, what are the tracks, Bruno, that we know of that have house rules that ban clenbuterol? Uh, Oakland is one of them now. Um, all the Stronex. All the Stronex. You know, and there is rules around clenbuterol. You can use clenbuterol or other tracks. You just, you have to wean them off within, I think, five to seven days. And there's also... They're allowed a certain amount in the system due to the weaning off. If it, it, there's a threshold, so I'm really interested to see where some of these trainers go to when it comes down towards the Kentucky Derby, because right now. The KHRC is talking about banning clenbuterol. They're talking about it, mm -hmm. but clenbuterol is still very much allowed in Kentucky uh, under a threshold, meaning that they can only have a small amount in the system prior to the, uh, when when they go through the spit box or testing. Mm -hmm. So if Oklahoma's is not allowing it. And 
The Stronic Group is not allowing it. Are we going to see any major form reversals when they go to Kentucky? Hmm. Yes. Or going into Tampa Bay Derby. Hmm. Another interesting point. It, uh, it, you, indeed, yeah, and and Tampa Bay. Well, there's a separate issue with Tampa Bay from last weekend's Derby prep there. But what I was about to ask you, with Tampa Bay having an island unto itself in terms of its regulation, but what about horses say coming out of the fairgrounds? Let's say they go through the Risen Star. Louisiana Derby route, get to the Kentucky Derby. What about those horses that are going to be under rules that I assume will be similar to what are in effect at Kentucky? Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that's what you see. What you see is what you get. Where maybe Oaklawn and, and Santa Anita and Gulfstream, you could get that form reversal. Combuterol is a performance-enhancing drug, period. It is probably the most potent performance-enhancing drug. While we're on that topic, the other news that broke today, and I wouldn't say it broke as much as it did trickle out because we were seriously thinking this was going to happen, but since the Breeders' Cup is going to be Lasix-free going forward in 2021 at Del Mar, all the win-and-you're-in races for the Breeders' Cup, all the Breeders' Cup challenge races, and it seems like you can't swing a dead cat without hitting one, all of them will be Lasix-free. So the Lasix-free trend with stakes races now extending to all Breeders' Cup challenge series races. I got a job for you, Ron. Yes. Need you to find out with the Breeders' Cup this year at Del Mar. Need to find out what your what is the Breeders' Cup's um, formal. Um, how do I put this? Do they accept? They don't accept the. For example, the CHRB's rules or house rules from that track to run Breeders' Cup there, do they? Correct, because there's a hybrid, and I think that's a moving target. So I'm going to answer this with as an educated guess without getting any sort of confirmation right now, talking off the top of my hat without consulting anybody from the Breeders' Cup. But if you base this on how they did, for instance, the advent of their out-of-competition drug testing, they did so above and beyond the jurisdictions of the states where those tracks were hosting the Breeders' Cup. They did so at the time, I think it was Del Mar, wasn't it the Del Mar year when it came in, or may have been Santa Anita. Whatever the case was, it was California, and the Breeders' Cup said, well, California, your rules are fine, but we're going to go above and beyond that. So that could be the case here, as we're discussing going forward in 2021 well, well, in terms well, of the happened? rules. Well, well here's the rules. Will, will they allow even for people to get off, to, to, to put Combuterol and then take it off? Is there a threshold for Combuterol or is Combuterol banned altogether? That's a, there you go. Well, there there is the research assignment. And when if they begin random drug testing when they have done it before, and I will say in non-COVID years, they would begin it around June, July, right. somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. July is when the, that's when they start with the out of competition testing. But my point is, you know, what what is their threshold for clombuterol? That's the question to ask. Not to ask, go. oh yeah, can you use clombuterol? No, you don't ask that. You ask what's the threshold for your clombuterol level. And that'll tell you whether they can use clombuterol at Del Mar or not. The interesting thing with the Breeders' Cup that I have found in dealing with this story, because I was on the front end of it almost four years ago, is that they are willing to answer the questions about it, but they won't volunteer the information openly to the public until asked. So the research assignment is a good one. 
Yeah, because you need to know. You need to know, even though there's a house rule on on the on the Breeders' Cup, you need to know where on the undercard are are these horses allowed to be under the Breeders' Cup rules or the uh, the CHRB rules. And it because could be both. It could be rules, both. Because if it's under the house rules and the house rules says no, a ban on clenbuterol, you get a ban on clenbuterol and a ban on Lasix. So that need, I need to know that because that's how you, you, you have to understand who's coming in from where and where they can do what and why they can do not. Nobody's cheating. They're just using the rules for their, uh, for their own. Um, they're using the rules to basically, you know, uh, do what they can to, to, to have their horses run the best effort possible absolutely However, a horse coming to california under whatever rules will be in effect next fall coming from kentucky will be vastly different than one coming from say santa anita or even within the track at del mar because the clenbuterol rules are different for each of those jurisdictions that you you've got a job you've got a you got a task this is fascinating i'm glad we have these brainstorming sessions yeah, they are pretty good. They're okay. Yeah. Speaking speaking of Lasix and the absence of it, as I mentioned, it came up at Tampa Bay Downs last Saturday when Candyman Rocket won the race and then was seen bleeding from the mouth, walking out of from the, the winter mouth. From, from the mouth. From the mouth was the report I heard. From the mouth, he bit his tongue. Ah, okay. No, 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 no. That's who, 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 what was, who was the reporter? Let me find it. I'll find it. I think it was Blood Horse, and I think it was Mott talking to somebody, but I'll look for it. But if it was bleeding from the mouth, he, he either bit his lip or he bit his tongue. They don't bleed from the mouth. They bleed from the nose. Mm -hmm. uh, looking for it. Here, yes, uh, this comes from actually, no, Daily Racing Forum. And it actually came from the chart. The chart said, return bleeding from the mouth. So, Equibase. He men's probably bit his tongue. So, not so, so well, here's much ado about nothing then, right? Yes, absolutely. What happens is that sometimes when you put the tongue tie on, these tongue ties can cut into the, into the tongue. And they create a little bit of cut and it breathes profusely. That's probably from the tongue tie. So no issue with Candyman Rocket then in terms of bleeding? No. Okay. No. That's important, isn't it? You know, it could be also, I mean, I've seen, you know, horses, you know, break through the gate and um, chip a tooth or knock a tooth out. Mm -hmm. That could be bleeding. I've had horses come back bleeding from the mouth. They bit their tongue. Uh, or um, they, um, they need their teeth done and, and their incisors are very sharp and the tongue goes over the top of it and cuts it, or but most of it comes from, from the tongue tie being too tight. Hmm. A lot more innocent sounding than what it could have been. No, it's not, it's not a bleeding issue. He bled, yes, but he did not bleed from the nostrils. Hmm. It's the difference between a bloody nose and getting punched in the nose, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you ever bitten your cheek? Have you ever bitten your tongue? Oh, uh, may I tell you a silly story of... No. How difficult... Oh, you, oh, you got to hear this. This is going to give you a little more ammo on me, Bruno. One morning I wake up. This is, oh, 10, 12 years ago. I'm living in New York, and I'm bleeding. Oh, it was 10 years. I can tell you exactly. It was 11 years ago. And I'm bleeding all over my pillow. I wake up, and there's a pool of blood on my pillow. Your, and your I wife... Smart lady, she put a tongue tie on. Yeah, well, no, well, we weren't we weren't together at that point yet, and so we we're, we're uh, I'm I'm bleeding all over the pillow, and I'm like, oh my god! I call the emergency room and I race in there, and I had bitten through my tongue sometime in the middle of the night. I bit through my tongue on the edge of my tongue, and yeah. so that well, was, don't don't wear your tongue tie. Don't wear your tongue tie. But what? And this is the, I'm I'm not like a grinder in the night. This is the first time I'd ever had it happen. I'm 62. It's the only time I've had it happen in my life. Well, 
You got it. Well, well no, that's stuff. PG PG thirteen show. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, the now about a month or two earlier, I had just come back from the World Cup soccer tournament in South Africa. Ah, and, you're and, doing too much vuvuzelan. Hey, I yes, no, and I no, and, and I. By the way, that thing's packed away, so don't ask. Don't. I'm not taking requests. But uh, <laughs> if you've listened to previous editions of this podcast. So I'd come back from there, and along the way on the flight from Johannesburg to Atlanta to get back to New York, uh, the, the, I had fallen asleep. I had an aisle seat, and all of a sudden, I wake up in writhing pain because a flight attendant crashed into my knee with a beverage cart. The extent of that was that I had a displaced patellar tendon that as upper, a result of that. Upper joints or lower joint? Patellar? It was a kneecap. I don't know. I'm kidding. That's horse so, talk. I know. So uh, I went to the emergency room then when I, you know, and so they said, well, you know, if you, you probably won't need an operation. Just don't Do they know you by first name over there? Well, that's the funny thing because I went to the same emergency room when I had bit through my tongue and the doctor came to me and it was the same doctor and he's laughing his ass off and he looks at me and he goes, are you going to blame this one on the flight attendant too? <laughs> oh boy! Did you ask him from some computer all? Oh man, I thought the yeah, doctor smartass there in New York at Lenox Hill. So that was, yeah, yeah, that was, and that was what a great line. I said, "Are you going to blame this on the flight attendant too?" Uh, there you go. Well, that would have been an interesting story, though, if you did. It's interesting now. As far well, uh, I'll let you know the listener be the judge of that. But I think it's an interesting story now. So anyway, by the way, if you're looking for a good series, watch the flight attendant on HBO Max. Is that right? Anyway, yeah, it's good. It's okay. really good. All right, Penny so is fantastic. Now the other I told you so. I want you to go ahead and tee up for yourself. Comes from the Withers and risk taking one, and we I, I we can either talk a well. It's your it's your podcast. Risk taking one it for Chad, and I was. Totally wrong on that guy. But Capo Kane finishing third, and there went that same problem with him as he finished third in the Withers, and I'll let you take it from there. Horses, when they do little things like like Capo Kane did of drifting out in the stretch, there are reasons for it. And it's not like, your car that you take it into the doctor, I mean, to the, to the mechanic, and he changes to something, and it's fine. It's hard to do that with horses. Sometimes they have issues that allows them, that don't allow them to cut corners very well. And you have to understand why. I have vetted out a lot of horses at sales, especially young horses. Good-looking bodies, good-looking movers, but they have structural issues within their bones from their from their upbringing and sometimes bones don't just like kids they don't develop well develop weak they have uh certain weaknesses they're called lucencies which is hmm. um lucencies are are uh, where the bone is yet to fill in on a young horse and it's liquid bone so when it does solidify, you don't know what it's going to look like. It could have spur. It could actually not only solidify in only half of in, in that cavity. Um, and that creates weakness in the bone. And that's what sometimes you say, why did this horse? That's a good looking horse. Why did he only cost 20? Because 20,000. He should have cost like 200 or 150,000 because he had enough of those issues within his, his, his uh, crucial mechanical areas like stifles and hocks and and um e even in, in the knees or the ankles ankles are not as big as a, as an issue as they are um knees and lower and upper joints and it's the joke about your patella um you know you look and mm -hmm. you've got a horse that has a uh looks like he's got some inflammation he's got some some arthritis already developing into a young bone and a knee and it's in the upper joint you're more apt to take a chance and, and work some things with, with Adequan and certain little things um, um, that, that can maybe 
you know, get that bone to heal and get stronger. But sometimes it doesn't. But if it's in the lower joint, then you really got to worry because the lower joints and the knees are really, uh, it, it, they're, they're a deal breaker. You just say, no, those horses don't make it. Um, but, and, you know, you could have a lot of different things in a horse's body and his exo in the in a skeleton that that will tell you, yeah, I can work with this. No, I can't. And 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 that you see that a lot with horses that are well bred and cost very little. Hmm. Is that a tell for you when you see a well bred horse cost very little? Are you immediately asking questions about yes. his physical comportment? Yes. yes. Because be and betters therefore should. Betters, therefore, should ask the same questions. Well, yeah. I mean, if a horse costs 11000 there's a reason why. You know, and it's not because, oh, everybody missed them. No. His pedigree might have been light, but yeah. But I've seen horses with absolutely no pedigree bring in 200000 I have seen horses, for example, Ron, Cupid. Um, I saw it was a really beautiful Cupid uh, colt as a yearling last year. Uh, at, or a at tappet Healing. colt. I'm sorry? You mean a tappet colt? No, Cupid colt. Ah, okay. He's already, no. he's already got offspring, man. They, they yes. go fast. Yeah. Beautiful colt. Moved well, except in the right hawk. When I looked at the vet report, it said he was clean. The guy said, ah, maybe 2025. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I'm going to have my vet look into it. He had a major issue in a rear hawk where it was actually fractured in two, three places. Wow. And he walked okay, but he did enough of a, of a give and weakness in one of the hawks that I could see that scared me. And my vet told me, no. The horse went for, I think, thirty-five, forty thousand. They're going to have a surprise with him when they start pushing on him. Hmm. Another example is sesamoids. The sesamoids are two small bones down underneath the ankle hmm. in the fetlock joint, where the, on all four feet. And what that does, it's the fulcrum and the connection of their uh, all the suspensory ligaments and tendons go into the two sesamoids all and 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 basically keep uh, basically are the suspension system of a horse well as babies there is times where let's say they get injured in the field or even in the stall the mother steps on the foot of their baby and it crushes their, their sesamoids. What happens is they heal, but they heal into one elongated sesamoid that covers both. Well, those end up being very weak, especially if they're weak near where the branch of the suspensory attaches to the bone. Having said that, when you're seeing that on x-rays, even though the bone looks healed, you need to spend an extra $500 per joint to be able to tell if there is tears or partial tears or even healed tears in the suspensory branch leading into the bone. So that's called, and, and some horses have that when it's called medial sesamoiditis. Medial sesamoiditis is when pressure on a young joint, on a young fetlock joint, uh, it, it, there's too much pressure on a young horse, young bones, soft sesamoids, that it creates that tear into that suspensory branch that then has to heal. Well, you don't know through x-rays if you've got a suspensory branch that is actually torn. And then you've got to do the $500 per joint to, to see if there's a tear in that suspensory. If you've got a tear in that suspensory, that's a year off as a baby. Hmm. And you got a baby there. 
you can't let them run around, they can't do the things, you're really going to stop their growth. So there's so many little things that when you go to the sale that you look at and you have to count and you can say, oh, God, I love this horse, but his legs will never hold up because mm -hmm. there's already issues there. There's already issues there that would be that would be under pressure if you go out and you train them hard those horses really rarely make it mm -hmm. so that's what you're dealing with and that's why you understand by understanding that i can look at a price and kind of have an idea of sort of the problems that really it took veterinarian veterinarians to really back off and not buy that horse Hmm. I have one other from the Withers to talk to you about, and that is the winner. And I totally underestimated risk-taking, and I'll raise my hand on it. I was confident going in saying, this horse has faced nothing up to this point. He's a Chad Brown horse. Chad does not get horses into the Kentucky Derby. He's had but five in his life. None of them have won. He had a second-place horse, obviously, but, there, but, but really has been a non-factor. And I looked at risk-taking and said, nah. well, okay, I was dead wrong, and I started to think, ooh, I'm going to be dead wrong when I saw the size of this horse. He's a big boy. So risk-taking wins the Withers. How far can he take Chad down the Derby Trail? You know, the, the Withers has not been a, uh, a hotbed of, Kentucky Derby winners. That would be zero uh -huh. since it became a Derby prep. It used to be the Withers Mile in May, but now... It's sort of like yeah. the Pasco Stakes going into the Sam F. Davis or Tampa Bay Derby. Right. Zero. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the thing is there is that, you know, the horse could develop, so I wouldn't give up on it. However, um, you always got to remember, too, if we didn't like Cabo Kane, and that was the main competition and the hot horse going in, then he beat nothing. Hmm. Interesting. Did you see anything in him to give you encouragement beyond just the thought that he could develop? Um, I'm kind of holding it against him that he ran in the withers. Yeah. Yeah. Why is he in New York kind of thing, right? Right. So we'll see when we go to the Gotham, we'll see what they got. Anything from Overtook who finished second? Uh, it, it's the Withers. <laughs> a Pletcher, by the way, I was over to. Yeah, yeah. probably Rapoli. Uh, let's see now. Overtook, I, I think you're right. Uh, yes, uh, Rapoli, St. Elias, and Coolmore. What's Coolmore doing at the Withers? Well, it's a stakes race and it's graded, so. What's Coolmore doing at the Withers? Yeah. Well, my whole point is that, you know, the horse fit there and they ran them in the right spot and they got a great stake place now. So, but it, it, again, you know, you, I made a comment about a horse that ran in the Sam F. Davis, the, the, the Belmont other horse, Nova Rags. Yes. Um, you know, and I made a comment that when's the last time a Pasco stakes horse won the, won the Sam F. Davis or the Tampa Bay Derby? And he ran second to Candyman Rocket, which kind of tells me a little bit about the race. The only one I'm going to follow out of there is Hidden Stash. Um, you know, he, I think he'll improve out of that, and he's a trier. I just don't know what his ceiling is. Mm. That brings me to the question that will take anyone who is a regular customer of yours already to what you will package for Saturday at the fairgrounds. And that is the Risen Star, and this is the first of the win in your ends for the Kentucky Derby. Keep Me in Mind would have been the morning line favorite, and indeed is, except for one problem. Uh, Diodoro is going to send him to the Southwest next week on the rescheduled date of a week from Saturday, and so he will not be there. So the field drops down to 12. This is the old thing. Be careful when they draw so early for a race 
scratch has come into play, and so the morning line favorite is out. And so Mandaloon, 9-2, you would figure then maybe 4-1, 7-2 morning line on a revision would inherit the favorite's role. I know you are loath to give a pick, but in terms of what we should be well, looking I for... Well, there you go. There's I a good reason not to give a pick, right? But in terms of what we should be looking for from your product at the fairgrounds well, there, on a really a good Saturday thing. card, there is an interesting horse in there, and he's 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 he's, he's cross-centered into an allowance uh, earlier in the day, and he's also in 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 the in the Risen Star, and that's the feeder for Tom yeah. Amos. Mm-hmm. Um, we all watched the, on the Zoom. We watched the replay. I I, I like that colt a lot. I think he's a really nice colt, and um, we're definitely. Go- I'm definitely going to be watching. I'm kind of hoping he's going to run him in the allowance and give him a race because he just broke his maiden. He needs some, and he acted like he probably needed some more seasoning. Um, but he's really talented. He's a good colt. I will say this: my colleague at Horse Racing Nation, Matt Stahl, did talk to Tom Amos about defeater and said that they would make a decision on a Thursday about whether to go into the allowance or whether to go into the risen star. I'm wondering if the absence. Well, I'll tell you why he's thinking that because he's got Carrillo that they bought from Chad Brown at the, it's the Pompa estate uh, dispersal. Mm-hmm. And they spent a lot of money on him. I think I spent about 800,000. Yes, $875,000. Okay. Um, and um, I got a lot of calls from people wanting to know about buying, you know, some of these Chad Brown horses and uh, these Pompa, uh, 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 you know, and, and there was questions like, why is he selling them? Right. And I said, it's an estate dispersal. They have to sell them. All right. Okay. Who owns Carrillo? Uh, a cast of thousands led by Greg Tremontan. Joel Politi's in there, so we know his name. Uh, but yeah, a cast of thousands. So um, it's really interesting. So he may want to showcase Carrillo in the Risen Star and give the feeder um, a race in the allowance. I don't think he's going to run them against each other. That's okay, so if that's the case, does so the keep me in mind absence does not influence the decision on defeater in your mind? No, no, I, I, I think it's got to do with Carrillo, and um, it's got to do with Carrillo, and um, you know they spent a lot of money on him, and I think he worked five eighths mm. the other day in a minute and change at fairgrounds, you know, so they're probably looking at it and say, are we? running them too quick into a good spot here. Mandaloon is in there. I will tell you this, that I have normally by now bought into five futures tickets on the Kentucky Derby. I have bought into one so far. It's on Mandaloon. I will brace myself for the Bruno critique. You know, I I thought he ran, he showed a lot of grit and he can be kind of a, he can be kind of a dick. You know, I think we went over that in the Zoom class. I showed you a couple of things that I saw. Um, he's not an easy horse to ride. Uh, I think he's a horse that um, last time out was in, in hampered by the winner drifting out so far out. Where Midnight Bourbon, is that that's him, right? Midnight Bourbon? Um, no, Mandaloon. No, Midnight Bourbon was the winner, though. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes. In the uh, Lacombe. Yeah. Yeah, look, it, was, it was the Lacombe. Midnight, Burb, uh, Midnight Bourbon, Proxy, and Mandaloon in that order. Yeah, Proxy was in between, and he was drifting out badly, too. So, And it was causing Mandaloon to go a dis- farther distance to try to get to the wire. Um, you know, then the other two who were coming out basically playing... It was like John Robinson's student body left and USC in their running game that looked like that's what that looked like with those two inside horses coming out and pushing Mandaloon out. Um, I thought he ran valiantly enough 
Um, I, I think maybe we'll see a different horse this time. He did work 59 and change with Wells Bayou the other day. Um, and Wells Bayou is going into, I believe, the New Orleans um, or the Mineshaft. Which one is this weekend? Uh, let's see now. Well, the Mineshaft's this weekend, and Maxfield's in that, so there you go. Right. Uh, but I think um, Wells Bayou is in, is in one of these races, and he's training really, really well. He needed that race. So, um, this last race. So, I think he's going to move forward, and Mandaloon worked with a real speed horse which should help him um, with his speed. When you take yeah, a horse and, like Mandalorian, Yes, and by the way, Wells Bayou is in the mineshaft drew the two with enforceable okay. inside of him. Good race. Yeah, and um, you've got you've got Mandaloon, who's, even though he kind of looks quick, he's a big-bodied, big, heavy type horse that when you put him with a speed horse, you're going to ask him to, to quicken up quick, to get into the stride quicker, and it's going to sharpen his speed. I would expect to see more speed from a Mandaloon. And having worked with a Wells Bayou that's so quick, it's going to. I think it's going to help him a lot. Um, I love seeing um, not stone cold closers, but stalkers and closers yeah. working in company with speed horses because the speed horses are going to beat them most of the time. But the the, the stone cold closer, closer, stalker, middle of the pack horse is going to get a lot out of that because they get to show more speed uh, against one on one against a speed horse, the quality of Wells Bayou. When you look at Mandaloon, here's something that jumps off the page at me when I look at the Brisnet PPs. P6. When was the last time you saw P6 in the Kieran speed points? It means, you know, early speed, but can sit way back on the backstretch, which tells me, one, they can't decide what to, how to rate him, but two. Well, but, that, but that, no, 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 no. Right there, the, no, no, no. It's not about the side where to rate him. It's this horse's mentality that puts him in the spot. I believe this horse takes a while to figure out what's going on around him. They're adding blinkers, by the way, so that tells you exactly. right there. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. Why did they have blinkers? Because of what we saw in the videos in the Zoom. He's squirrely, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't he's squirrely. He's just takes a while. To, he's like a max player. It takes a while for him to recognize what's happening around him. That's why he couldn't get him by the other day. Because he couldn't figure out that they were pushing him out. He knew something was happening, but he wasn't processing it fast enough. How? Remember, we watched the one video where he didn't—he—he he, he was right. He, it looked like he was moving and moving and moving, and then he split horses, and then right. he seemed to take off, and he won his maiden. And I said, "Boy, this is a good horse. He did a lot of different things." And on the gallop out, what he wanted to do was to barrel into the horse on his outside right. on the gallop out and be a complete jerk. So, what they're doing by putting the blinkers on, I don't know if that'll help him. I don't know if that'll help him, but what they're trying to do is get his focus. So get his focus by putting the blinkers on and work him with a fast horse to get him to do the things to recognize quicker. How about the fact that he drew 11, though? Now, keep me in that mind is out, but keep me him. in mind drew 12, so that doesn't factor in. He stays at 11. Well, with, 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 that, with that particular post for that horse, and not having the ability of getting out of the gate and taking off and being very, uh, what I call extroverted, he's a more introverted horse. So he's going to get in behind there, and he's going to start playing that game that he does. So he's going to have to pick off a lot of horses. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested in that because I, with the blinkers on, he may be a little bit, it might take him back a little bit because now he's got to deal with the blinkers and trying to assess what's happening in front of him. May I ask you to disabuse me of something? What? No sire, no sire has ever had two consecutive Kentucky Derby winners, and here is into mischief with Mandaloon. It's too early to talk about that. I mean, he doesn't act like, a, you know, well, maybe he does. He acts like, um, I've seen some intermissives have some little quirky mentality, but then again, we saw it with Authentic last year. He, Authentic was the poster child for that, right? And he 
got over that. By September, so, yeah. <laughs> right, but but again, but yeah, that's true. Very true. He had another extra, you know, four months to grow up. But my point with with Mandaloon is that let's worry about the Risen Star first. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm not tearing up the ticket either way. Right. I mean, a lot of people want to make their pick now, and and I'm going, why? Because at a, well, at 125 to one, I got that reason right there. Right. You know, but whatever. <laughs> I know. I I'm, think it's I'm playing the lottery. Anything. I know. It's an ego thing more than anything else. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, can you imagine how unlivable I will be if Mandaloon won the Derby? Oh, I'll remind you. Oh, by the way, I thought you said back in February his mental uh, acuteness was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so was California Chrome. Oh, at yeah. That point. I was so wrong on him, but when the Dubai World Cup, when he won it, and I see him looking sweaty as a as sweaty could that, be. That was him. And I and I I did I listened to you, but I didn't listen to you that week. I listened to you on the wrong things, and I didn't listen to you on the right things. I'll never forget the California Chrome. Um, you and I were at the Derby. We sat next to each we other. We were right next to each other for that Derby, yeah. I yeah. had commanding curve at about 38 to 1. I had, yeah, I had that exact. So I, that, yeah, I have fond memories of that day, yes. Yeah, that was thank a fun you, day. Thank you, Dallas I Stewart. Have, um, I did have a huge pick four going to California, uh, to, um, to commanding curve. I remember when they drew, I walked up to Terry Finley and said, you're going to win the Derby. I was wrong. He ran second, you know. Loved Ooh, too bad. <laughs> yeah. Coming off the heels of loving Animal Kingdom, later to find out everybody in the world adding two, and he paid 20 to one. Um, that's a facetious statement. You yeah, know? yeah, I was going to say, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. Everybody had him after that. Yeah. So, but yeah, anyway. After that, yeah. Well, I think this weekend is going to be fun. I'm still weighing the options on uh, uh, having a Zoom on Friday night. Um, I will let that information go out tomorrow on Thursday, but uh, keep an eye at Racing with Bruno, and uh, and if we do have a Zoom, it'll be posted up there. It'll be um, for all the tracks that we'll offer, about 10 tracks, as many tracks as we can on Saturday. It'll be forty nine ninety five, and that includes a Zoom. Get more from Bruno by going to racingwithbruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.